All right, we are continuing the present chapter on three below. We just read that Remy messed up a few instructions of Mergenzers right away, so we'll see if that causes a disaster or not. Excellent, Mergenzers' voice said. Leo rolled his eyes as he tried to reach out and grab Betty, but missed. She was really eating a lot of animal crackers, and he wished he could get her back up in the duck elevator so she'd stop. Everything will be just fine. It will be fine, Mergenzer's voice said, which meant he had no idea how things were going to go. You can get more fuses from Dr. Flart. He should have a few of them laying around. And if you're really in a pinch, ask Ingrid. She's got one. Also, Blop has one of the special fuses inside him. Just take it off his head. Fuses, Leo said. Who's Flart? Remy asked. And who's Ingrid? And what's this business about taking Blop's head off? Remy reached his hand into a place under the elevator Leo couldn't see while Leo considered the situation. Maybe the duck elevator had blown a fuse he didn't know about. As a second-generation maintenance man, his mechanical brain was spinning with ideas of what Remy... When Remy held out his hand, Oh, we must mean this! This time, Remy wasn't holding an animal cracker. Instead, he had a glass tube the size of a roll of pennies. It had a series of twisting red and green wires inside and metal caps on each end. That's not like any fuse I've ever seen, Leo said. You'd better be careful with it. There's also this one, Remy said. He pulled something loose and held it up in his other hand. The same fuse, only this one was charged, charred with black soot. It's blown, Leo said, and it looks like it's been that way for a while. Remy started to put the new fuse in place, but Mergenzer's voice and Leo's arm stopped him. Don't put the fuse in until you're sure you're ready to go. It will take you to places you've never been. Dangerous places, but you can do it. I know you can. I trust you. Remy beamed. He loved being trusted with important things to do. Give me the fuse, Leo said, and Remy handed it up. Leo could hang upside down and insert the card and the fuse when they were ready. It would be a snap, at least until the door flew up and pinned his arms to the ceiling. Leo dug around in his overalls for a metal fuse grabber, which was a lot like a pair of pliers, only it had soft, curved grippers for grabbing delicate objects. Remember, Mergenzer's voice boomed once more, four flugers, a zip rope, and an iron box. Two zip flops... A zonker and a sneeze. That's really not funny, Leo said. This is serious. All right, sorry, Remy said, but he was giggling. Zonkers and flip-flops and sneezes hit him square in the funny bone. The last thing, and you're off. Very important. You'll need some instructions for later, but you should get them as soon as you can. You'll find the instructions in a secret place. There was a slight pause, like Mergenzer was trying to decide if he should continue, and then he did it, and it made no sense at all. An Isle of Penguins, a boy named Twist, Robinson Crusoe. He's gone completely mad, Remy whispered, but Leo was used to the puzzles and the rants. He and Mergenzer went way back. You'll have to grab Betty, Leo said, and suddenly he knew why Mergenzer had mentioned gloves. There's no other way. Betty was turned away from Remy eating animal crackers as fast as her orange bill could pick them up. Remy hadn't picked up a duck before, but Leo had. He was fairly sure it would not go well. 
You can't lift just lifter, Leo said, placing the clamp fuse in the front pocket of his overalls. You'll have to grab hard and throw her up here. Otherwise, she'll get loose and bite you. Gee, thanks for the warning, Rami said. He filled his red jacket pockets with animal crackers and rubbed his hands together for good luck. Here goes nothing, he said, and lunged for Betty. He got his arms around her big middle and hugged, but as Leo had suspected, Betty was no dummy. She bit down hard on Remy's finger, which made Remy raise his arms and throw the duck over his head. Feathers were flying everywhere, and Betty was quacking loudly, but she was back in the duck elevator, and Leo was on his knees, blocking her way out. Nice job, Leo yelled. Throw me some crackers. Remy shook the sting out of his finger and started picking up fistfuls, throwing them up into the elevator until Leo told him to stop. This seemed to calm Betty down, and she went to work on the 30 or so treats on the floor while Leo reached down and hoisted Remy up into the space again. It was totally cramped inside, and Betty was acting really weird. She sat down, burped, and then burped again. A third time she burped was more violent. A slobbery projectile animal cracker launched from her throat and tagged Remy in the side of the head. Leo went to work on the fuse, prying it into position as he leaned over the edge of the opening and hung upside down. Incoming! Remy yelled, shielding himself with his behind his red jacket. Betty burped again, this time shooting Leo in the bum with a slobbery thing that had recently been a giraffe cookie. Hurry up, Remy says. She looks like she might go machine gun mode on us. Leo had the fuse in place and it hummed with red and green light. Cool, he said, for Leo loved all mechanical things. He slid Mergenzer's special key card out of the side pocket in his overalls and inserted it into the top slot again. The tree next to the slot glowed green. Pulling the card out, Leo moved as fast as he could back into the duck elevator. For a moment, nothing happened. Then Betty burped up an animal cracker, which flew over Leo's head and caught in his hair. I'm just glad she eats them whole, Remy said. This could be a lot worse. The wall suddenly shot back up with alarming speed. Betty became very still, like she'd seen this happen before. She hiccuped and sat down. Then something scary happened. It felt like the cable snapping in two overhead. The duck elevator was suddenly free-falling, and as Leo and Remy and Betty screamed and quacked and burped up animal crackers, the elevator zoomed past the lobby, gaining speed. It kept going, 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 far below the Whippet Hotel to secret places few had ever seen. Chapter 3. The Jungle Room the deck elevator slowed out from out of control fast to very slow in the blink of an eye. This made Leo and Remy feel like they had been squashed, pinned to the floor by an almost unbearable gravity. When it stopped completely, they felt dizzy and confused. How long had they fallen, and how far? How would they get back up again? And what was that noise from the other side of the door? Where are we? Leo wondered out loud. He hadn't gotten up the nerve to open the small door because of the noise he'd heard. Something was moving out there. I wish we bought, brought Blop with us, Remy said. He'd know what to do. Betty shook her head and wobbled to her feet. There was a certain eye look in her eyes that Leo knew all too well. We need to get out of this duck elevator, he said. 
Why? I don't think we should, Remy argued. This was becoming a little more adventurous than he'd bargained for. She needs to use the bathroom, Leo said. Now? Whatever was outside couldn't be more frightening than Betty using the deck elevator as a bathroom with Leo and Remy stuck inside the same place. Ready? Leo said. Not really, Remy answered, but looking at Betty, he knew that they were all out of options. Leo pulled the lever that opened the door, but only enough to see out through a small crack. He peered out, listening and watching. Whatever had been out there was gone or hiding. Cool, Leo said. Let me see, Remy replied, nudging Leo aside and pushing his face up against the crack in the duck elevator. Leo, he said. Yeah, it's cool, right? Something just touched my eyeball. Suddenly, the doors flew open and Remy jumped back. Two boys and a duck stared into the open space where a monkey the size of a football stood staring at them. It had the brightest green eyes they'd ever seen, so bright they seemed to glow in the soft light. Is it just me, or is that a really small monkey? Remy asked. He was just saying the words when another monkey, the same size, same big green eyes, leaned its head upside down from above. Betty was bigger than either of them and the bravest of anyone inside the elevator. She honked loudly, which sent the two monkeys scattering and walked away in search of some privacy. How many do you think there are? Leo asked. Before Remy could answer, the two monkeys were back, and this time they weren't alone. They'd brought friends. Lots of them. Well, they seem nice enough, Leo said. They weren't like any monkeys Leo had ever seen, but not because of their size. These monkeys had elf ears, white brows, and dark furry faces that looked permanently startled because of the big eyes. They were covered in black body fur, but all the tails were strong and long and orange, like extension cords in the Whippet basement. Thinking of extension cords reminded Leo that technically he was still in the hotel, but it felt like a different world underground. Remy looked out at an animal cracker and lifted it into four or cracked it into four or five smaller parts, handing holding it out in his hand. Hey, they like me, Remy said. The strange little monkeys gathered around and emptied Remy's hand in a flash. Leo looked past the group of seven or eight monkeys, staring at Remy for more food. Out beyond the duck elevator, it was like a jungle under the full moon on a starry night. Vines hung from the canopy of a huge tree that covered the sky. The tree was full of sparkling white lights like the carriage had been. Back and forth through the branches of the great tree, there were rope bridges and ladders. A woman, not much bigger than the monkeys, was standing far above on one of the rope ladders. Don't feed the leprechauns, she yelled. She had a big voice for such a small person, and she was mad. Whoever it was rapidly descended the tree by way of a series of hanging rope ladders, long vines, and rope bridges. Leprechauns? Remy asked Leo. Leo darted out of the elevator just before all the monkeys jumped onto Remy at once. He fell onto his back and a dozen more monkeys showed up and jumped on top of the first bunch. Orange tails were tangled up everywhere, and the small space was filled with the shrieking and grabbing for animal crackers. I told him, a voice said startlingly close to Leo. He looked to his left and then down about a foot, and there stood the woman who had been high up in the tree only moments ago. You're fast, Leo said. 
Not as fast as the leprechauns. They're like lightning. Only one way now, she said. Remy was actually laughing pretty hard because the thing they later learned about the leprechaun monkeys was that they were completely harmless. They had no claws or teeth, so they could only gum you to death, but that was about it. Mostly it tickled when they clawed, scratched, or bit. The pint-sized woman reached into the duck elevator and started grabbing orange tails. Each time she got a hold of one, she flicked her arm over her head like she was cleaning out a closet. The leprechauns were so incredibly light, Leo soon discovered, because he was asked to help throw them. They weighed about only two pounds and didn't have claws to hold on with, so they really just flew wherever they were tossed. Are they going to be okay? Leo asked. Oh, sure. They love being tossed around. They live for this stuff, the woman said. She had eyes too big for her head, like the monkeys, and big teeth. They were down to the last four monkeys when she took one by the tail and spun it over her head like a lasso. When she let it go, Leo was almost sure she heard the flying creature say, Woohoo! These little guys are hungry, said Remy, sitting up as the last of the monkeys, who just happened to be the smallest, burrowed into the pocket of his red jacket. He saw the small woman and went right to work with questions. Who are you, and why aren't you feeding these monkeys? The woman, her button nose having turned a little red with effort, laughed. You two must have parents with about a million shares of Google stock. I haven't seen, had a guest down here in two years. Oh, we're not guests, Leo said. I own the hotel now. I'm Leo, and this is Remy. He's the bellboy. And I'm Leo's brother, Remy said, getting up and finally all the way out of the duck elevator. So technically, I think I'm like an heir to the throne or something like that. What did you say your name was? I didn't, the woman said. She turned more cautious and curious, like maybe Leo and Remy shouldn't be trusted. Betty quacked a couple of times and came out from behind a glob of hanging vines as leprechauns moved out of her way. Betty, the woman said, softening noticeably. You're back. She turned to the boys, the ice melting off her mood. I haven't seen this duck in a long time. She finally said her name was Ingrid and waved Leo and Remy toward the giant tree in the center of the underground room. Leo and Remy had never seen a tree so big or so full of monkeys. They were everywhere, their glowing green eyes staring down at them. If he sent the duck, this must be serious, Ingrid said when they arrived at the wide trunk. Come on up. I'll tell old Ing and tell old Ingrid what's going on here. We'll figure it out. Is this really happening? Leo asked Remy in a half whisper. Remy nodded and both boys remembered how Mergenzer had told them they would meet a person named Ingrid. Remy, for one, was glad that Mergenzer had assured them Ingrid would help, but he was not excited about climbing the tree. The roots alone presented a challenge, swarming all over the ground like giant boa constrictors. He tripped twice, just getting to the first rung of the rope ladder. How far up are we going? Remy asked nervously. Couldn't we just talk down here, where it's safe? I think you'd better go up there. Best view of the whole place. Ingrid tapped Betty on the head and laughed when then started up the rope ladder like she was related to the monkeys that were hanging in the trees. She could really move. An orange tail wrapped around Remy's arm affectionately as he pet the little monkey in his pocket. Looks like you found another small friend, Leo said as he put his foot on the first rung. 
Remy looked down into the face staring back at him. Incredibly cute. The kind of face that makes you smile and feel better after a hard day. Will you catch me if I fall? Remy asked the leprechaun, but the monkey didn't understand. It looked up at Remy with those big green eyes and smiled. A monkey loves attention almost as much as it loves animal crackers. It took some work getting to the top, but mostly it was a blast. Twice they swung on ropes from one side of the tree to the other, landing on vine-covered platforms. At one point, the tree limbs became so thick it was like crawling up through a tangled cave of leaves. When the limbs and the leaves opened up again, they found that they've climbed higher into the tree than about 30 feet. It was nested against, oh, higher than the tree house by about 30 feet. It was nestled against the wide trunk and it appeared to be the only way to the front door was by way of a steep zip line. Ingrid grabbed three zip line rollers out of a wooden box nailed to a limb and gave a brief and harrowing instruction set on how to proceed. She set the roller over the line, grabbed the two handles, and was gone before either of them could say no. Oh, forget it, Remy said, glancing at Leo. You can't make me. Six or seven leprechaun monkeys glided down the zip line by their curled tails, smiling at Remy and Leo. The tails seemed to rise and fall loosely like they were made of rubber. Other monkeys followed, riding down the line and jumping off at the bottom. They were a very playful bunch. Leo couldn't help himself. He was dying to fly down to the treehouse. It looked like a ton of fun, but the treehouse itself was so stirring, was also stirring all the magical places in his imagination. It was so not what he expected, mostly because this was an, it was made entirely of copper and rivets and pipes. There were three sections to the treehouse, different sizes, but all with roofs that looked like the tops of mushrooms, round and curved at the sides. Thick vine-like pipes ran every which way over and through the three roofs. I've got to get down there, Leo said. Looping the roller over the top of the wire, he was gone in a flash. When he reached the treehouse, he let go and crash-landed into a clanging metal table. The table sat on a deck of wire, grating wire grating that ran all the way around the structures. The table hit a metal chair, and the chair went skidding off into the grating, tumbling down the side of the tree. Oh, don't worry about it, Leo heard Ingrid say. Happens all the time. The leprechauns will bring it back. Remy was petrified as he listened to the metal chair bounce all the way to the bottom. He could imagine each and every impact, all the broken bones, and the more than likely, a lot of wetting his pants. It would not be pretty. Come on, Remy, it's easy. It looked like Remy was never going to make the trip, but the monkeys were not nothing if not intuitive, and they liked having company. They wanted to be helpful. Lupa, Ingrid yelled, and the leprechaun monkey in Remy's pocket popped its head up obediently. Gather your friends, he's going to need some help. Lupa was off in a split second, screeching like monkeys do when they're given orders. Before long, a group of them had taken another roller and placed it on the line. One of them held it firmly in place while more monkeys than Leo could count started glomming onto the handles. They weaved their small arms and legs around one another, forming a wide loop Remy could sit on. They all looked at Remy at once and didn't make a sound. They stared so patiently and so forcefully at Remy that he couldn't stand it. You guys have done this before, haven't you? Remy said, inching one step closer to the zip line. He should have paid more attention. 
All at once, dozens of monkeys jumped on Remy's back from the tree limbs behind him. He didn't stand a chance. The force of so many small monkeys landing on him shoved Remy face first into the loop. And then Remy and about 50 leprechaun monkeys raced toward the treehouse, screaming and screeching. Remy was yelling with fear, but all the monkeys were laughing, or so it seemed to Leo who was also laughing from where he stood below. There was a crash at the bottom, like a barrel full of monkeys had been blown open, but Remy was fine. They'll want to do it again, Ingrid said. Better get inside and give them a chance to calm down. You've got them good and riled up. She passed through a door, but no monkeys followed, and Remy and Leo followed her inside. They gathered at an egg-shaped table and got down to business. I'm what you might call a gatekeeper, Ingrid said. No one gets any lower in the Whippet Hotel without going through me. So let's hear it. Why did Merdenser sent you? Can I let her in here? Remy asked. Lupa was sitting alone at the door, staring in with pleading eyes. If I let her in, they're all going to think they can follow. Trust me, that's not a good idea. They'll break something. I never let a monkey into the house. How long have you been down here? Leo asked, and how far down are we? Ingrid laughed. <laughs> I thought I was going to ask the questions, but I can see that's not going to work. You two are either very shrewd or super dumb. I'm withholding judgment. She stepped across the room on short, stubby legs and opened a lid on a wooden box, not unlike the one Leo had seen attached to the tree above. Reaching down inside, she pulled out three glass bottles. I get them from Dr. Flart, she said, closing the lid and returning to the table. He's madly in love with me, but I've got my heart set on someone else. Ingrid set two bottles of soda on the table and said something about how a girl wants flowers and dates and more gross stuff that Leo had no interest in, nor did Remy. They stole a glance at each other as Ingrid set the top of the third bottle against the edge of the table. She smacked it with the top of her hand and the cap came flying off, landing on the floor. There were a lot of caps on the floor, like peanut shells at a ball game, so it was clear she drank a lot of whatever Dr. Flart was sending her. She held the bottle out to Remy, then opened the other two in the same manner. Here's to Remy, she said. They toasted and they all tapped their bottles together. For riding the zip line against his better judgment. There was a commotion outside on the metal grate where the leprechauns were putting their chair back in place. Looking into the bottle, Leo got a little nervous. Whatever was in there had started to bubble up orange and frothy. Drink it before it starts to disintegrate, Ingrid shouted. She tipped her bottle back and guzzled the contents like a giant in six giant swallows. The lady could chug, there was no doubt about that. Ingrid let loose a burp that was loud and long, and both boys were actually a bit jealous as they stared into their own drinks. The liquid was half gone in both bottles, bubbling and frothing into thin air right before their eyes. Thinking they were already down to half a monster burp, they both started gulping. Seconds later, the bottles were empty, and the two boys looked at each other, smiling. They had that feeling of the best burp ever rising in their guts, and wow, when they let them rip, it was magnificent. And it tastes good, too, Remy laughed. Was that grape or lime? Leo asked. No, no, it was root beer and orange soda. No, wait, Remy pondered. Let me save you guys the trouble, Ingrid said. It's Flart's Fizz, the one and only, nothing like it in the world. 
You've got to market this stuff. People would go crazy for it. You could make millions, Remy said. He licked the edge of his bottle, but the flavor was all gone. Or at least 700,000, Leo mumbled under his breath. And now we're getting somewhere. Ingrid leaned over the table, put the leftover unimpressive with a leftover unimpressive little burp and got right to the point. You two were sent here for funds, I can tell. He's run out of money again, hasn't he? Not exactly, Leo said, and then he completely spilled the beans about taxes and owning the hotel, right up to the part about the other things they would need. He didn't get that part out because Ingrid huffed and interrupted. Giving you the hotel is just kind of ridiculous nonsense. He's always doing this. Is the hotel still standing? Remy came to Leo's defense. Of course it's still standing. Leo is the best second-generation maintenance man in the whole city of New York, and I'm the best bellboy. Remy beamed, but Ingrid just rolled her eyes. She couldn't believe the most secretive, most important, most amazing hotel in the world was owned by a kid and the one sitting in front of her. Go on, she said wearily. What else did he tell you? He gave us a list of things to bring back, Leo began, and a certain amount of money he's hoping to get. Not for us, for the taxes. Right, for the taxes. It wasn't clear to Remy and Leo whether she entirely believed them. It's a, well, it's $700,000. That's how much he needs. Ingrid had one of those stony, hard-to-read expressions on her face. She betrayed no emotion. Surprise? Disgust? Relief? Leo and Remy had no idea how to read the immovable object that was her face. There was a cigar box on the table, and she flipped open the lid, which made Remy recoil in his chair. He lived in a building where the superintendent smokes cheap cigars all day long. Whenever the man had shown up at the crummy door with his crummy, to his crummier apartment, he'd blown the smoke in Remy's face and laughed as Remy gagged. Remy had grown to despise them. If Ingrid could burp like a sailor, maybe she smoked giant stinky cigars, too. Ingrid fished through the box with her hand, searching for something. She took out a brown paper bag and shut the cigar box. Did I mention I have asthma? Remy said, fake coughing for effect. <coughs> Leo looked at him sideways as Ingrid uncrumpled the top of a bag and let out two objects, a pad of paper and a pen. Remy let out an audible sigh of relief and then looked back at Lupa, wishing she would come inside. She was hanging from the top of the door by her long tail, swinging back and forth like a ball on a string. Take this to the tax man, Ingrid said. As Remy turned back around, she had written something on the paper and was ripping it off the pad. She looked up smiling and began putting things away. I thought you were going to ask for a lot more. Anything over a million and we'd have to involve the realm of gears. You don't want to go down there unless you have to. Very dangerous. What's the realm of gears? Remy asked. But Ingrid waved his question away as if it didn't matter since they weren't going to go there anyway. Leo took a piece of paper in his hand. It was official, that much he could tell, by the gold leaf edges, the Bank of New York symbol, and the guarantee signed by the sitting president of the Federal Reserve. Is that a real signature? Le Remy leaned close. Whoa, he said, drawing the word out in a long whisper. Ingrid pushed her tiny round glasses up on her nose and nodded almost imperceptibly. Now, she said, leaning toward, uh, forward on her elbows. What about that list of things you needed? Let's hear it. 
Leo pocketed the note for $700,000 and began to feel a lot better about how this was going. I got this, Remy said, putting an arm in front of Leo, just as he was about to speak. Leo wasn't sure after all the joking Remy had done about the list, but he let it pass. Mergenzer asked us to bring him. Remy stopped for dramatic effect. He asked us to bring him four flugers, a zip rope, an iron box, and a bottle of Flart's Fitz. Wait, that's not, Leo tried to say, but Remy elbowed him in the gut. Also, Ingrid had a big reaction to this news. She was up on her feet in the blink of an eye. Four flugers and the iron box? That's outrageous. Leo was pleased she hadn't mentioned the bottle of Flart's fizz and felt that the small one white lie was well worth another world-class burp in the way on the way to back to the hotel and the zip rope leo said sorry remy said don't forget that quiet down about the rope ingrid said in a half whisper she motioned towards lupa whose eyes had widened in the even bigger green saucers Ingrid stepped back to the door and met Lupa's eyes as the monkey swung back and forth. Go and check on the duck. Make sure she's not eating the flowers. When you get back, you can have a bottle all to yourself. All right, we are going to stop there. Um, and we will continue this tomorrow.